0: If there's one Sunday of the year that I look forward to, it's the Sunday before Valentine's Day. And it's got nothing to do with two teams that are playing football in California, but it's about enabling the body of Christ to be the hands and feet of Christ. I'm excited about this Sunday um, because there's about 220, I think, roses left up here for us today. And we'll get into the roses, and as I was preparing for this sermon today, that's what I was thinking about is, is how do I encourage, how do I strengthen the body of Christ for what we're going to do? I love this day because it's not just a day where I know or don't know if you're responding to what I preach or what God is saying. By the end of the day, I will know for sure if the body of Christ responded to the word that pastor believes he gave to me, and I'll say this not in guilt or condemnation, but by the number of roses that are left up front, I'll know whether or not we're hearing or not, or whether or not I missed the boat. Um, I love it, so I don't have to go home and wonder, like, did I mess up? Did people hear me or not? I know. But I love it because it's such a simple opportunity for you and I to do what God has called us to do. I'm going to share some verses this morning, and as I share these verses, uh, I have to guess that they're not going to be verses uh, that most would assume I would be preaching, whether it came to the Super Bowl or whether it came to Valentine's Day, Matthew chapter 8. These three verses are the verses that got put in my heart for this morning. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Father, I come to you this morning, and I thank you that we're here today. I thank you that we have the opportunity to be used of you. I thank you that we have the opportunity to hear from you, God. And I pray that we wouldn't neglect the chance that we have to hear from the Lord Almighty. For all that is, God, I pray against distractions, I pray against thoughts that might separate us from what you have, that our hearts, that our ears would be willing to hear what your spirit is speaking. As a pastor, God, I yield myself, asking not that my will would be accomplished, but yours in this place, this day, in Jesus' name, amen. So there's three verses I read. They started with this phrase on or or, or, um, I'm sorry. It said uh, as Jesus came down from the mountainside. So before I get into the verses, I just want to give you a little bit of a picture of what was going on before Jesus shared these words or we saw this experience. So Jesus was on the mountainside. This is in the book of Matthew. And why was he on the mountainside? Does anyone know? Well, I'm going to tell you. First of all, It says that there were large crowds, this is in Matthew 4, this is right before, so there's a bunch, four chapters that lead up to this moment. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, which means the ten cities, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan were following Jesus. So there were large crowds, this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, that began to follow him. Now we don't have a number on this crowd like we do when he defeats the fish or loaves, but but we know that there's large crowd uh, from several different places, that are following Jesus. And so, what he does in, in Matthew chapter 1 or Matthew chapter 5 is he goes up on a mountainside. There's a large crowd of people, so Jesus goes up on the mountainside, he sits down, his disciples come, and he begins to teach. In the next several, uh, actually three chapters or so, are, are probably the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. I mean, we'll just say it, Jesus preached it, I'll give him credit. Um, probably the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. Jesus is downloading. The Sermon on the Mount, we talked about it. It's got the Beatitudes and, and these cool things that Jesus is bringing about. And so he has spent this time with this crowd teaching them on the mountain. And I'm just going to share this next verse because I believe it's what happens every Sunday morning when people leave here. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. It's what happens when I'm done preaching on Sundays. The crowds are amazed at my teaching. Amen? We'll try that again. Amen? Amen. Pastor feels good today. All right, thank you very much. I can go home. We're done. So the crowds were so amazed with the teaching of Jesus that we got back to our verses in in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus is coming down from the mountainside, and those same crowds are following him. It's a crazy moment. Like, all of a sudden, Jesus has been on a mountain, he's taught these people. They're so hungry, they're so amazed. They're just going to follow him. They don't probably know where they're following him. They don't know where they're going, but that's where their teacher's going. He might say something really good again. I might be amazed again. So these crowds are continuing to follow Jesus. And what happens as the crowds are following Jesus? Verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. And now we can read that and we can say, what's the big deal? I want to talk about what this was. A man with leprosy. So I just found a description. Leprosy is a disease that progresses slowly at first. It's deeply seated in the bones and joints, essentially undetectable, until, until spots appear on the skin. This is where it gets good. Gradually, the spots grow to cover the entire body. They give the appearance of foul wounds, sore and festering, as the body slowly wastes away in a ruinous heap. Parts of the body actually begin falling off, leading eventually to the individual's death. The leper can live up to 50 years in indescribable misery as he watches himself die bit by bit, falling to pieces as a hideous spectacle. For the leper of Matthew 8, it was a hopeless predicament. Nothing could be done apart from God's miraculous intervention. When you look at leprosy in the Bible... It's something that, that, that we see in Scripture. Like the book of Leviticus has two chapters talking about how to deal with someone who has this particular infirmity. And so what they did because they couldn't deal with it, what did we do with COVID and we didn't know what to do with it? We put people in quarantine, right? And we thought 10 days of quarantine was hard. So what they would do is if, If you were deemed to have leprosy, you were sent away from the camp, away from culture. You were sent away from your family, away from your friends, and you were deemed by the priest as unclean. Leviticus chapter 13. The man is diseased and is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him as unclean because of the sore on his head. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt. Sounds like they should have been a a millennial, right? (laughs) Sorry, that was a bad joke. Less of Steve, more of him. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes and let their hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside of the camp. Now, this is the law. So we're going back to Matthew chapter 8. Jesus has been on the mountainside. Who's following him? A crowd of people. And in the middle of a crowd, what happens? There's a leper who shows up. The last place a leper should have been or would have been allowed to be was in the middle of a crowd. I imagine that as that leper is approaching Jesus, he's heard about the teacher. He's heard about the sermon, and he's approaching Jesus, and he's walking near the crowd, that he begins to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! I'm a dirty man! I'm a leper! I imagine that people, they walk away from him. I imagine that the crowd begins to part as people are trying their best not to make eye contact with the leper. He's infected. I bet he heard. I bet he heard people looking at each other saying, what is he doing here? He has no right to be here. He's supposed to be outside of the camp. What is he thinking? I bet he heard people calling him names, saying he was foolish as he was trying to get to Jesus. Because truly in Levitical law, the only way someone was heared from leprosy is if God did it himself. He endured all that, and he stood before Jesus. I'm going to go back, because this verse almost makes me cry. He knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand. And he touched the man. And he said, I'm willing. Jesus reached out and touched the man. Now, I'm sure I've got biblical scholars in the room. Does anyone remember what happened when Jesus healed the ten lepers? How did that happen? They stood before Jesus. And Jesus looked at them. And he said to them, you go and show yourself to the priest and you'll be healed. And scripture says that as they were on the way to the priest, they were healed. What did Jesus not do with the ten lepers? He didn't touch them. I was pausing because I'm trying to regroup myself right now, Rowan. Jesus could have healed that leper any way he wanted in that moment. Jesus could have spoke to that disease and said, Be gone, and it would have disappeared in that moment. Jesus could have prayed to the Father and asked the Father to heal him, and he could have been healed in that moment. Jesus could have picked up a big wad of dirt and thrown it at him and said, Be healed, and he would be healed in that moment. But Jesus intentionally chose to touch him. I can't think of a more profound touch of love than that moment. I'm sure the crowd was appalled and confused. But Jesus knew this man. See, he was a man. Who was sent away from his family. He was a man who was sent away from his friends. He was a man who was sent away from society. Who had been alone for a month, a year, ten years. I don't know. He had never felt the touch of another individual in that time frame since he'd been diagnosed with a death that none of us want to consider since he was called not worthy to live in the culture. No one had touched him. Comes and he stands before Jesus. He says, Lord, make me clean if you're willing. And Jesus touched him. What love did that man feel in that moment? What power came not through the words of Jesus Christ, but his hand literally reaching out and touching that which everyone had said was unclean. In the midst of the crowd, not saying, hey, dude, let's go over here in the closet where no one can see this, because I'm about to do something that's going to be really unpopular. Hey, dude, I'm about to take on the diagnosis, because what happened if you touched a leper? Come on, I'm willing to be unclean in order for you to feel love right now. And Jesus touched him. I love the Rose Outreach. I love this opportunity because I feel like it's our opportunity to demonstrate the love of God people who need to know it. It's our opportunity for us to find someone who we say they just need to know how much God loves them and say to them, God placed you on my heart. And I just want you to know today that God loves you. You want to talk about impact? Our purpose as a church, it's not on the walls anymore because I didn't like the banners and I haven't made something new yet, is to love God love people, and impact our world. I will promise you there are 220 ways to impact our world this morning. There is no greater impact than any place the love of God touches us. That's genuine impact. That's measurable impact for me as the pastor couple of verses, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. you remember what we just sang? I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Because you're a child of God, there is great love that has been lavished upon you. There is great love that God has poured out on you. And we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Isn't that what Jesus truly did? This is an action step. This is an action moment. 1 John chapter 4 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love, it comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Listen, Romans 5, I don't know why that John 7, 38 is on there, but just guess, it's coming in a second. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you. I want to tell you today, you are filled with the love of God if you are a child of God. I don't know what more precious gift there is. He has extravagantly poured out his love on you. He has given you his love. John 7, 38, it says, whoever believes in me as Scripture has said, rivers, remember that we talked about the wellspring of life, rivers of living water will flow from them. I'm telling you, living water is the love of God. God's love is in you, and it should be coming from you. We don't call it a river if it doesn't flow. It's a lake or a pond, Right? It's a dam. Streams of living water will flow from you. Ephesians 2 says, We're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are the handiwork of God prepared for this moment because you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What do we touch with? I touch with my body. Can I touch you if I don't use my body? I guess my words can touch people. But when it comes to really what touch is, it's our body. Guess whose job it is to touch the world? You're the handiwork of God. You've been prepared to be the body of Christ. You are the way, you are the hand that reaches out and touches the leper in that moment. That's what God has called you to be. And this is an opportunity to do just that. I'm telling you, there are people we know who need to experience the love of God. There are people we know who may be isolated from culture. They may have pulled themselves away. They may be defined whether it's by a sin or a sickness. And they've separated themselves from people. All they do is call themselves unclean. Unclean. They have no value. They have no worth. And they might be living the best life you know. But they haven't experienced the touch of His love. That's where we Come in. That's where we get to be, what God called us to be. And the impact that was felt, my prayer this morning, I will be more excited if there's a Jesus coming off the mountainside moment with a leper today than the Bengals winning the Super Bowl. I promise you, if I know that someone in our community felt the love of God for the first time, then their life was transformed and turned upside down because they experienced the touch of God. But it's up to you and me. I always like to do a demonstration of how this can work, because some people are afraid. And this morning I need two roses. Because as I was praying, there were two people that God placed on my heart. Some of these roses, they might have some, they call them protective petals on them still. We tried to pull them off. It's all right to pull them off. They won't die. And here's how it should work. Peggy and Twyla, you guys have been on my heart. I know that you've been going through a challenging season. And when I was praying, God put you on my heart because he wants you to know today that he loves you. That simple moment, not for show, that's a genuine word from God. Peggy and Twyla, God put you on my heart today because he wants you to say, Twyla, I know because he brought Angie to you this morning to tell you he loves you. I know sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's intimidating when pastor wants me to talk about my faith. This is a moment. This is an opportunity. This is a tool to enable you to do it. Valentine's Day, everybody's looking for love. Everybody wants to be loved on Valentine's Day. No one's going to look at you when you go to Offer him a Rose and say, Man, that's ugly. I don't want it. And most, when they hear you say, God placed them on your heart and that the Father wants to tell them they love them. That's impact. This morning, I want to take a moment because I haven't done this yet and I want to say to this room, if you're here this morning and you've heard this sermon but you say, I don't know what it means to be a child of God or I've never felt His love, I want you to know this morning that God loves Loves you It's not just about the roses It's not just about going and doing But that God wants you to know how much He loves you He loves you enough that he brought you to this place So you could watch pastor in a in a jersey from 2006 is what this jersey's from Just in case you're wondering with Williams is retired from football now But i've been in nebraska for a long time And so my wife bought me this when we were dating and I haven't worn it very often So I got a chance today to wear it that's who it is just in case you're wondering In the middle of all this, in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of the moment, God wants you to know he loves you. It doesn't matter what's been happening. It doesn't matter even if you can't see it. It doesn't matter if you've been wandering Weary, God wants me to pause this moment and say, I love you. And for those who know His love, For those who are experiencing his love, I'm going to say something. I want you to be a river today because I want streams of living water to flow from you. I want the love, the wellspring of life that God has placed inside of you to be able to come from within you so that you can become life-giving, so that you can continue to grow in your faith and walk with Christ, so that someone may recognize the love of God because of the words that he's placed in you, not in pastor. That's what excites me. I'm going to pray. You guys can come forward. I'll say this just as a commercial while they're coming forward. Uh, like I said, uh, maybe 218 roses now, um, somewhere around there. I've got cards in the back. If you're afraid of talking because you never say the right things, there's some cards. There's some foldy cards and there's just some paper cards. You can take one of them foldy cards. or You can take one of them paper cards and you can write down something if you're afraid of what you'll say. There's some rope or whatever you want to say. You can tie it to the rose. There's... Paper towels if you need some water. But this is a moment where I want us to demonstrate the love of God. And so as I pray, I'm going to ask for God to continue to highlight faces for you. Just like Twilight and Peggy came in my heart as I was preparing the serving. I want God to put faces in your life. But you know who needs this rose. And you know that you're the one that's going to get to take it from, to them. And guess what? Donna might beat you there, but you can give them a rose too. Because, boy, it feels good to know God loved me once, but when he does it twice, wow! So don't say, oh, someone beat me there. That doesn't matter. Because God's doing it for a reason. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. And God, I thank you for this demonstration of love in Scripture. For the story of the leper... That God needed nothing but the touch of God. needed everything, only thing, the touch of God. That through that touch came the love of the Father. And for us, God, that we have the opportunity to be the body of Christ. And we get to be His hand that's reaching out and touching. That we get to be the feet that are taking the good news to our community. And Holy Spirit, I ask. I ask for pictures. I ask for names. I ask for faces. I pray for each of us, God, that as we pause and think that you begin to remind, you begin to nudge, you begin to show us someone who, who we can reach out to. Someone's who we can reach out to. And God, I pray that as we see names, as we get faces, that your anointing, it goes with us. Let your love, God, It flows freely through us and that people, God, 220 people, God, know your love this day. That there's 220 people that know that God loves them. Equip us. Prepare us, God, for what is to come. In Jesus' name, So they're going to go ahead and play and probably sing a little bit. And I'm just going to open this time up. You can take one rose. You can take five roses. You can take what you think God is speaking to you. And as God begins to speak to you, I'm going to ask that you come get a rose and and you prepare. If you want to write a card, if you want to write a note, you go do that. There's some pens and stuff in the back. But this is our opportunity to go, to do, to apply what God is speaking to us. I almost forgot. I'm going to say this while we're doing this. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may living water, streams of living water, the touch of a loving God come from you. Amen? Be blessed.